You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yes, it's uh, just gone uh, that time of the evening where you are tuned into Medical Files on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Al-Sunnah wal Jama'a. Let's welcome a pious and sagacious ummah with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And I can tell you, people, when it comes to medical files, uh, we are really grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have quite a sizable listenership uh, that listens to this program and that uh, the barakah flows. And this evening, inshallah, we'll be talking to Ibrahim Mir, who is a biokineticist, uh, owner of uh, EM Biokineticist uh, Ahmad Al Qadi, uh, that is, and uh, that uh, Ahmad Al Qadi Hospital and a director at just a rehab focusing on bionics and FES rehab in Durban. And I tell you, this young man, he's got a spirit, he's got a humility that, you know, even if you visit him, you'll feel special. He makes everyone feel special. We feel special having him on the platform this evening on Medical Files. Ibrahim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Tell me how you're doing this fine Beautiful evening. Uh, I'm really, really glad to be back on your show and really humbled at the intro that you've given me. Uh, I'm glad to your listenership for actually tuning in and, and listening to us tonight. I'm looking forward to actually uh, shedding some light on bionics and um, the latest uh, in, in rehab currently. Absolutely. You know, everything evolves. And uh, as you said, uh, when you're not up to speed, uh, then you lag behind. And in your field, you know, how, you know, if you look at AI and you look at the development, how quickly are you upgrading and how quickly is this uh, uh, field of yours, uh, you know, evolving? So currently with the trends in, in bioengineering, um, bionics seems to be uh, the name of the day with, with regards to actually moving forward in rehab. Um, so what you're seeing currently is that you're seeing technologies uh, that are being bettered from, from previous years that were actually tried out and were, were successful, but it's, it's becoming more fine-tuned, more refined as AI is picking up. Um, so there's development of the hybrid assistive limbs. Uh, you've got Honda. Uh, the the motor vehicle company now making hybrid assistive limbs. They're also making exoskeletons. And then you've got um, bionic uh, specialized companies like uh, Exobionics, um, a whole host of these new companies that are emerging who are supplying exoskeletons, which are wearables. Um, so patients usually come in, a lot of them are sort of not ignorant, but rather they lack awareness of what bionics are and how exactly do they work. A lot of them think they communicate directly with the brain via electrodes, stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't really go down that way when you're wearing a wearable exoskeleton. Basically, you have uh, the ability now to to take a patient from a wheelchair, enable them to stand and not just stand, but actually take steps, full weight bearing steps. Um, this is obviously a milestone in rehabilitation because it was something that you, you've seen mostly in first world countries. And now we are fortunate enough to have it within our, our country as, as well. So bionics is definitely leaping and I feel like sooner or later, it's it's going to be a standardized form of rehabilitation or post-stroke rehabilitation injuries, stuff like that. So it's there's definitely a place for it in rehab. You know, Ibrahim, you spoke about exoskeleton. I think I'm on my biology class. I don't know really what it was about. 
endo, exoskeleton, and all these things. Hey, but uh, yeah, you're really taking me back there. Now, you know, you have a lot of updated and advanced equipment at your practice. What is your favorite equipment, Ibrahim? Um, by far, it has to be the exoskeleton. Uh, it is the only one within KZN. Uh, basically, when we're talking of exoskeletons, right? So let's put every listener into perspective. If you get a patient who has suffered from a motor vehicle accident, who has suffered a stroke, or may have broken their back and suffered a spinal cord injury, these patients now have to be managed, right? So they have to do rehabilitation. So if a patient is wheeled into my practice, um, we do a full functional assessment. We find out what are your limitations, what's your clinical history like, what medication are you on, where are you currently in your rehabilitation, and what are your goals. And then for us, obviously, we need to get the patient back to full physical functioning. So we use principles of rehabilitation along with the aid of uh, rehab devices to try and get to goals better and actually promote a better recovery. So you get the patient wheeling in, um, with a particular condition, after the assessment is done and the patient is okay to go into an exoskeleton, uh, remember you need a GP clearance, you need a BMD certificate, you need sort of uh, an okay from your GP to say, fine, we can now wait there because you're getting patients who haven't stood in maybe 25 to 30 odd years. You get patients who uh, recently, maybe three or four years have not stood. So you could get complications that could happen. So once the patient is measured up, we then do an exoconversion. We put the patient into the suit, which is then adjusted to their spec. And then thereafter, the patient is obviously we, we do uh, little bits at a time. So we start off basically with normal stands. From normal stands, we'll teach the patient how to weight shift. And then from there, we progress into actual stepping. Um, patients obviously differs with rehabilitation. So uh, if patient A had to come in with a stroke, the possibility of them standing and walking on the day is not guaranteed as opposed to patient B who could stand up and do a thousand steps on the day. So it just goes back to what condition you have and whether the ex whether you exofit. So if you're not exofit, we don't rule you out completely. We will then do physical rehabilitation to obviously train you to become exofit, and then we'll put you in the exoskeleton. And inshallah, your rehab should take off, and you should be walking. In well, I like what you said there. Inshallah, and by the will, uh, you know, uh, by the leave of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. A person will recover. It's reminding me of like a scaffolding, you know, step by step, you put it all together. And you know, you look at all this equipment, this, especially the equipment in the, in your field of exp, uh, expertise. Uh, it's evolving. It has evolved. And will it evolve even further, Ibrahim? Yes, definitely. Uh, the involvement is now going towards actual deep communication with the brain stem, uh, deep probing into the brain, which leads to bionic limbs being controlled via AI. So the the technology itself, if people are curious to know how it works, whether it connects directly to your brain or not. So I get the question often, uh, is it just going to move my leg or am I going to move the leg? So basically how EXO works is it has four engines on, on the actual exoskeleton, which work with variable uh, sort of variable assist technology, you can call it. So with a variable assist, what happens is, let's say you've suffered uh, a condition which only caused you hemiplegia. So basically one limb is lacking behind or you have paresis or severe weakening of that muscle. We will then 
work to try and decrease. We can we can manipulate all of these variables. We can change the motor power. We can decrease the engine power so you could end up doing more. So you work more and get to your goal quicker. So the limitations within EXO or the variables are actually all modifiable and you can tailor make it to a patient. So that's the beauty of the EXO and that's why exobionics and the rehabilitation in the exoskeleton is, is so effective. Prime, you know, you're getting me more fascinated about this exoskeleton uh, manufactured in America, I presume. Uh, the scientists that work on this are from America because, you know, we hear about uh, many Indian, uh, uh, you know, scientists or technologists yeah. going through NASA and things like that. Is this purely an American invention or are there any other countries involved, Ibrahim? The exobionics uh, exoskeleton that I've got, uh, actually, it has a little bit of American influence and a little bit of American tech, but most it's it's built in Germany and it's imported from Germany. So the exoskeletons currently that are being made, they, they're being manufactured throughout the world, but the most popular being, I think, up there with the, with the most popular is the exobionics brand, which is from Germany. However, we do have an American-made uh, machine, which is made by Restorative Therapies, which is based uh, in Baltimore in the USA. And this FES bicycle works with basically uh, neuromuscular functional electrical stimulation. So it's completely different from the EXO. It's also a rehab aid that we use along with uh, gait rehabilitation. And the FES bicycle, which is American, basically connects to each muscle group and then they are allowed to cycle or use their arms uh, for geometry and stuff like that. So you're seeing patients who were co- completely quadriplegic or paraplegic being able to cycle and walk, which is functions of normal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you uh, go to America or to Germany for you know, to, to see how this equipment work or do they train you or you just uh, look at the manuals locally or perhaps look at it on uh, YouTube and get to know how to use them, uh, Ibrahim? So we've been uh, extensively trained by exobionics um, They've come from Germany and we've spent some time in Pretoria doing some training and getting our steps in. And obviously we have to be certified to be able to walk. So the EXO works with basically uh, levels and Alhamdulillah, I've been uh, certified to walk and teach uh, exobionics to others. Um, the RTFES uh, machine that we have, that's the FES bicycle, uh, we do actually to go to Baltimore soon to do a little bit of a training course uh, in Baltimore to take it to the next level. So inshallah, once COVID is over, we can plan something to, to go over. Now, your type of, uh, you know, work uh, that you do as a biokineticist, uh, you know, people are succumbing to COVID-19. Can this help uh, during the pandemic? How can you help, uh, you know, people that are succumbing to COVID-19? Can biokinetics help? Yeah, so what we've seen is that obviously with uh, COVID-19, uh, the post-COVID syndromes that we're seeing is uh, basically the after effects of COVID. So biokinetics is coming in sort of to to merge that gap uh, between you getting back to full functionality and obviously having suffered COVID-19. So it's it's good in the sense where we can we can work on all the different components of your fitness which were actually affected during your your episode with covid and we can get you back to full functioning so let's say you've taken um a sort of decline on your cardiorespiratory system or your musculoskeletal strength we can then 
do physical rehab uh, depending on the severity of your case and what's really affected, whether you've got any gait insufficiency, stuff like that, we can then obviously work towards those goals and use biokinetics as a, as a means to help you recover and, and get back to life. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, you know, now many people are not aware of the high-tech, practical and beneficial uh, equipment available for the healing. What can you highlight for them uh, tonight in this regard, uh, Ibrahim? Um, when you're dealing with a condition, uh, depending on the factors surrounding the condition, so we take into consideration your age, your coexisting conditions, what previous injuries you've been experiencing, whether you've done rehabilitation before. Um, when you've fully gained an understanding of where a patient is and what their goals are and what their diagnosis is, we can then suggest to them, you know what, look, uh, this piece of equipment will benefit you uh, as such, or the exoskeleton might be a good option. So we've had so far, Alhamdulillah, we've had about three success stories uh, where patients were diagnosed by neurologists, by surgeons, where they were spinal cord injured and they were basically incomplete and they had zero feeling on their limbs. So below waist, they had uh, no bowel bladder function. They had nothing. And Alhamdulillah, with the use of exo and rehabilitation, uh, three of our cases have walked off independently. And currently, we've seen uh, we're seeing uh, an individual who is really young and is working really hard. And Alhamdulillah, she's come such a long way because from being paralyzed last year, today, Alhamdulillah, she stood independently on her own. So we're seeing the results. Uh, Ibrahim, uh, you know, you spoke about uh, young individuals coming here. What is the youngest patient uh, uh, that you have worked on? So it's very unusual for biokineticists to see patients very, very young. But Alhamdulillah, I've been fortunate to see as old as 114 and I've seen as small as an eight-month-old. So mm. the it varies completely. But I've been blessed and I've been fortunate enough to work with a huge amount of different conditions and see the different presentations per condition. And Alhamdulillah, it's been good. Now, Ibrahim, you got me, you know... I won't let you go just like that. Eight months old. What did you do do with that eight-month-old child and with that 114-year-old? The listeners, they want to listen to you. Entertain them. Tell them exactly what you did. So basically with the eight-month-old, it was a little bit of herbs palsy. And with herbs palsy, it's sort of a congenital condition that you're born with. And you get severe weakening of, of certain uh, limb girdles. So we suggested we advise the parents you know what look let's give it some time uh we did a few things on the patient and then we give them a few months to take off as the patient matures and we see the milestones being met then we can say you know what it becomes more streamlined and we need to work on this and work on that so it's a drawn-out process when you're dealing with little kids but when you're dealing with adults adults like a 114 year old for example uh firstly to get the message across to him as to what a biokineticist is is completely uh foreign because he doesn't know what a bio is and to explain to him uh, he's coming from a completely different background i think the life lessons more that you learn in those sessions are, are worth more than anything so Alhamdulillah, it's been interesting. Uh, they usually suffer with a lot of degenerative conditions. The elderly, uh, you're looking at osteoarthritis, uh, sciatic symptoms, dysbulges. Uh, it ranges, but the most common injuries being your, your necks, your backs, your shoulders, stuff like that. 
Now, Ibrahim, you know, you're a, 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 you know, relatively a very young man. Uh, looking at your profession, uh, you know, how quickly has it wisened you up? Because here you're dealing with someone that's, uh, you know, 114 years old, and then you're dealing with children. You know, it has really, you know, pushed you forward, has advanced you many, many, many years. Uh, would you say you're wise or ahead uh, of your time, Ibrahim? Uh, difficult, but I would love to say so. Alhamdulillah, but every day is a learning curve. So I take it in my stride. I treat each patient exactly how I would treat my family. Um, I would give them my all and sort of take from the patient lessons because each patient teaches you something different about a condition because every person's body is so different and the individualistic characteristics that present in these people are so unique. So you could have two patients with sciatica uh, at the same age, but the symptoms manifest differently because their biomechanics may be different or the everyday life routine may be slightly different. So you can get a little bit personal with the consults as to going into what's your job like, what are you, you, you get, you have to get to know your patient in order to, to understand what sort of regime to give them, what treatment plan to set out for them. Because you can't really get someone who has not done exercise completely to now come in and then suddenly start doing this and, and the other. But you slowly break them into it. So it's a lot of patience that you need and a lot of empathy. If you have that empathic quality to you, I think you should succeed in anything you do. You know, and, uh, something I've noticed in you, I mean, I've uh, done uh, quite a few interviews with you, is your Gee. attitude of uh, gratitude, number one, and uh, then uh, your humility. I mean, uh, there's a famous anecdote which says, uh, he that humbles himself will be elevated and he that elevates himself will be humbled. And, uh, you know, where did you get this trait from? Is it a family, uh, you know, um, uh, perhaps it's coming from the family or a family gene, or perhaps is it because of the type of uh, spouse you have uh, that have made a difference in you? Why, you know, how do you get this? Or perhaps, yeah, you're, a, uh, you know, a big follower of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reading his seerah. Tell us uh, who, who motivates you towards uh, this uh, path of humility. Definitely a lot of it is upbringing. Uh, definitely, it's it's a lot of life experiences growing up. I did not grow up very, very privileged. Alhamdulillah, we had a good childhood, but uh, here and there, we had to study our way through. So, Alhamdulillah, with hard work, perseverance, and a lot of motivation for my parents and family, uh, it's taken a long time. And like you said, I have to be grateful for it because the opportunities that have been given, it's sort of like Allah has just been answering du'as along the way and the passion has just shown through and Alhamdulillah, I'm very, very pleased to be where I am right now. Mm, I think that's why you resonate so well with us. I have the same philosophy in life. Be humble and then you won't tumble. Yeah, be humble. Humility is a great thing. Now, Ibrahim, how do you inter uh, uh, integrate uh, massages uh, for healing with, uh, with equipment? Okay, so basically, if you're treating, depending on what you're treating, if you're treating uh, muscular spasms, muscular strains and sprains, stuff like that, uh, depending on where you are in your healing, here and there, we might need to do a release, like a myofascial release. We might need to actually get a little bit of flexibility in the muscle. So you would use massage techniques. Well, the massage techniques are not really your typical spa kind of massage techniques. It's basically scientifically based uh, using principles of rehab again. And you sort of use those techniques to help 
promote a good recovery. So yeah, massage is definitely used, and uh, not as much at my practice, but uh, yeah, it's definitely used in biomedics. Hey, you got us all thinking here. You know, you spoke about the spa technique of massage, and your technique. Tell us your technique. I mean, oh, forget the spa technique. You know, people got their own spa things and all. But tell us about your technique, Ibrahim. It's, you know, my wife. Every day she fights with me and she tells me, "You need to share some of your knowledge with me, or share this technique, or share that technique with me." And it's so hard to explain to someone. It's, it's more of a feeling. Uh, it's been reality and feels merge, and you just sort of work. And Alhamdulillah, the techniques that I've used over the years, it sort of just lined up with principles and the goals of rehab came along. So it's it's very hands on. I suffer at the end of the day with my fingers being so sore sometimes, but it's you've got to really put your back into it, get some elbow grease there, and really work at it. But yeah, technique wise, it's I think um you have to really come into experience what I'm saying. Hey, I know that because you know. Uh, uh, when I used to broadcast, and uh, some of my uh, colleagues say, hey, but hey, chef, man, you got the magic fingers. Just rub my yeah. neck and the back, and I'll do it, you know. Hey, but Ibrahim, they'll make me do it for five minutes and ten minutes, and I know what you're talking about. The, our yeah. fingers start fading. In the end, we need a massage on our fingers, but uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, perhaps, you know, the, the massage technique, uh, how does uh, uh, the, 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 the machine help? in uh, massaging people. Uh, sometimes, you know, as you said, we as uh, manually, we do it, we feel the pain, but perhaps the machine can be programmed to do that, uh, Ibrahim. So, so the, the other machinery that we have basically is Swiss-based technology. We use them, I use them basically, if your muscles contracted in spasm and stuff like that, we use it more for decontractions. So it's a lot of uh, sort of you've got to tease the muscle to release and then use manual therapy and then use taping techniques so we use a lot of kinesio tape to realign joints to activate and deactivate muscles so it it needs a, a broad approach when you're dealing with it you've got to treat each area differently uh, some muscles like cold some muscles like heat it just depends on the injury itself and yeah, it, it differs. The treatment plan per bio as well differs. So you could go to a bio who uses completely different techniques and he may be good at something else, or you could visit another professional and they may be uh, good at something. So it just depends on who you see and what your goal is. Yeah, Ibrahim, when the human, uh, you know, massages another human being, you can talk to each other about it. You know, you can tell you, oh, it's a bit painful here, but you know, you're putting too much of pressure. Uh, but with a machine uh, massaging a human being, and if that human uh, machine decides to go on overdrive, what happens then, Ibrahim? So, so luckily, the equipment that we 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 purchase and we obviously we review it before we purchase it, and um, I obviously buy things that are, are rehabilitation grade uh, equipment. We it has to be certified for rehab. There has to be published articles on the device itself. So. Uh, within the device, the characteristics are so unique that they cost a lot, but the te technology is such that they enable each sort of machine to do a muscular scan. So we can pick up what your optimal would be for your particular muscle group. And then we can then stimulate that muscle and sort of get it to where we want. And the machine actually lets us know when we've reached an optimal level for you and the intensity is not too high. So the risk of injury is very, very low. Absolutely uh, brilliant, and uh, Jazakallah for answering that. Uh, time for us to go for a break. 
And inshallah, we will continue after that. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, sir, the program is uh, Medical Files. And alhamdulillah, fascinating uh, conversation uh, with our biokineticist uh, this evening, who is uh, Ibrahim Mir. And he's taking us through what's happening and what's, uh, yes, that exoskeleton people. It's got me. It's got me intrigued. I don't know what superlative you can use. But Ibrahim, absolutely brilliant indeed. And uh, yeah, looking, uh, perhaps, you know, you have some uh, remarkable steps uh, towards, uh, you know, taking persons uh, from a wheelchair step by step over time to being able to walk again. I want you to, you know, highlight this effectively for any wheelchair patient tuned in tonight because, you know, a lot of people are on wheelchair. You know, we we have in, uh, uh, in our community people asking, you know, constantly if you want a wheelchair, you know, I want you to uh, uh, talk about these uh, remarkable steps uh, towards uh, taking a person from a wheelchair step by step over time to being able to walk again. And, uh, you know, I like this for us, uh, Ibrahim, uh, this evening. Okay, so the uh, point to be made is um, wheelchair patients usually, one, what happens is when they become diagnosed with a certain condition, they sort of become wheelchair bound and then they are taught techniques to sort of deal with the everyday life while being in the chair. So my approach is a little bit different and it was it's a, it's a little bit hard to get across to people because it, it sort of, you're taking a patient now and you're telling them after 20 years, you are now able to stand up and walk. And people look at you like, no, what do you mean? So uh, the thing is, if you've been in a wheelchair for 20 odd years, if you've been in a wheelchair for even five years, um, don't just sit back and think that your condition could just be that way forever. It's obviously 2021. It's a new world that we're living in. There's new technology and there's new research principles. There's new things coming out every single day, which means that there's involvement in rehabilitation. So you could maybe see in the next two or three years better technology, something different that will come up would, would probably make people walk even faster. But currently what we have is... Uh, if you want to call it, it's engaged rehabilitation. You're not going to get anything more than bionics and wearable exoskeletons currently. Um, so with the wheelchair patients listening, not to guarantee each and every one of you that you will walk, but I can tell you that uh, you could get even 10% more uh better functioning than you already are in currently. If you obviously have not been doing any rehab, you could only get better if you do some rehab. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, the, the benefits can come. Maybe you might not walk again, but you might get a better bowel and bladder functioning or you get better arm strength and then you can ambulate or you can propel better. So the benefits are endless. And uh, what are your challenges, you know, when you're teaching a person to walk step by step, you know, getting up from the wheelchair, uh, what is the biggest challenge for you there, Ibrahim? Okay, so take a patient who hasn't walked in years. The biggest challenge for them uh, is obviously getting accustomed to now not seeing uh, things at a sitting level. To see things at an eye level again is very uh, disorientating for the patient. So when the patient stands up, a lot of them would come in and they say, we've been standing with calipers and they've been using sort of other devices to try and stand. But they've been just standing and the stance is not fully weight bearing where your joints are actually aligned properly and stuff like that. So the first challenge is 
to to walking to actually get a patient to move in the exoskeleton, we have to do something called pregate. So if I go a little, let's touch a little bit on the actual exo. Uh, skeleton itself there's four or five modes to the machine right uh the first one being pregate so pregate meaning that we've got to now do an assessment on the patient to help them to train them to show them where the center of gravity is how you've got a weight shift in order to initiate steps so the machine itself has uh sensors all around the machine which will help you to detect lateral flexion and forward flexion so your movements are tracked by this by these sensors and once those limiters are reached you sort of get initiation of a step so the machine has different modes so the first one being first step where the patient fits into the suit we can stand them up and first step being i control their steps they just control their weight shifting the second step being uh, a second mode being pro step and then pro step plus with pro step and pro step plus it's more for your patients that are a little bit higher functioning where you can play around with the variables you can decrease the engines uh, you can you can change the limitations you can change the parameters of the of the weight shifting stuff like that so it's a little bit more advanced you can do a lot more things so uh beyond just walking a lot of people forget that the exoskeleton you can also put it into squat mode you can also put it into normal like freestanding mode meaning that your patient can now stand in there and try and do squats we can limit the range of motion on the squats we can limit the 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 legs which one is free which one is not so there's a lot of things that are modifiable on the exo and requires a little bit of of insight into the patient's life to try and get Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Uh, going back from the uh, exo to the uh, wheelchair, you know, looking at these uh, paraplegics uh, playing uh, uh, tennis and some also playing uh, uh, basketball. It's amazing that uh, they have this willpower and, you know, they use the wheelchair as a mechanism to make them mobile and they play quite a good game at that, you know. Uh, you know, how do you explain their resolve, uh, Ibrahim? So... These patients should not be these participants, you can call them athletes. I would call them athletes because they train just as hard uh, as a normal athlete would, even sometimes a little bit more harder than your than your common athlete. So they follow your proper diet plans. They do the intensive training. They would train just like how you and I would for sport. But the resilience that they show and the mind power is just something else. So I've witnessed personally uh, seeing uh, basketball athletes picking themselves up with the wheelchair on a rope uh, off the ground. So that's mm. the amount of upper body strength that they possess. So, yeah. They're wheelchair-bound, but they are completely able. They fall with the wheelchair, get up, and carry on playing the sport. So it shows that they are very, very resilient. And these uh, Blade Runners, uh, you know, how they manage that balance and the speed and they buoyant all the time. So, you know, uh, what can you do to improve uh, the perhaps the running skills with the, the advance in uh, technology in your field, Ibrahim? So currently we use a lot of uh, neuromuscular electrical stimulation with different rehabilitation settings to try and enhance muscular recruitment. So your muscle recruitment of different fibers. Uh, These will then obviously uh, we can use different modes. So we've got like endurance programs. We've got like uh, speed programs. There's to change within you your 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 muscle fiber types, so you can increase the cross-sectional size of your type two fibers, for example, or your type one fibers, which will be either slow twitch or fast twitch, dependent on the sport that you're playing. Uh, so there's a lot of exercise physiology principles that uh, that go hand in hand with rehabilitation. 
but that will differ from practice to practice. So you're seeing uh, the high performance practices, which specialize mostly in athletes. They use a lot of the exercise physiology, physiology pr principles to obviously tailor make a rehab a plan for a patient. And I guess uh, looking at a message uh, from uh, Noor Muhammad, he says, Assalamu alaikum. The content is so interesting, Shafaat, Jazakallah about it. And uh, please ask Ibrahim Mir, uh, the biokineticist, uh, will a person with a car accident injury be able to walk sooner coming out of a wheelchair than a stroke patient? Good question there from uh, uh, Noor Muhammad, Ibrahim. No, definitely. Um, look, with motor vehicle accidents, it's so difficult to say without consulting a patient because obviously in the motor vehicle accident, you would have had uh, different mechanisms of injury. So you could have someone that could be coming in spinal cord injured incomplete, but they would have a T-spine injury. And then you would get someone who would ha suffer a motor vehicle action accident and they would come in with a, a C-spine injury. So the difference between the two the mechanism of the injury would be the same, a motor vehicle accident, but the level of injury or the level of lesion is different, which means that they're presenting differently. Uh, different areas of the body or more or less will be affected. Uh, so if you had to differentiate between post-stroke and a motor vehicle accident, the chances of a patient uh, standing up and getting better results is you're going to see a little bit more depending on your injury. I would say your stroke patient, because if you have to say in a real world situation, currently in the last month, I've probably seen uh, a stab wound. I've seen a motor vehicle accident and a post-stroke. And all three of them uh, were completely paralyzed, but there's a lot of hope because each muscle reacted differently and each patient reacted differently. The mindsets were different. So it a lot of it depends on the patient itself and the condition that they're presenting with. But it's a good question nevertheless. Yeah, uh, these people are coming to you post-trauma. You know, first they went through uh, the trauma, they went to the hospital, they, the surgeon saw them, and then they come to you. They don't just come fresh uh, from the, 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 the episode that they had, but they're coming to you after a a consultation with the, the surgeon Ibrahim. Yeah. So a lot of these patients obviously go through from a surgeon, get referred to physio, and then from physio when they've done their basic strengthening, the full and final phase rehab will be done by uh, a biokineticist. So we seeing these patients towards the towards their goal. A lot of them obviously some of them are coming with long standing injuries and don't really need to see a physio immediately. So they just start their biokinetic rehab. But it it depends again on the condition that the patient faces and via which refer or what practice he specializes in. Okay, Alhamdulillah, Mr. Muhammad says Assalamu alaikum, Shafat and the biokineticist. If a person is in a wheelchair due to chronic spine pain, can such a person end up walking again using your equipment and your experience and your expertise, Ibrahim? Okay, so. I can. I, I feel like the theme of the questions is basically centered around what are the factors that are stopping someone from actually walking the skeleton that have not been walking. So there's things that we look at. So if we have to narrow it down and really go into the to the to the consultation of an exo patient, um, if you are in a wheelchair for a while, we will obviously look at your BMD. We'll look at your muscular spasms to see whether you've got any spasticity. Uh, we've got to then look at your ankle range of motion, your hamstring range of motion, basically every joint throughout your body to see whether 
you are able to stand firstly, whether we're not going to stand you up and snap your Achilles tendon or snap your hamstrings or injure your back or anything of that sort. So there's a lot of, it's a long consult. It takes about two and a half hours, but we go through each and every joint and uh, make sure that you are exo ready. But if you are within our limits of, uh, I think it's less than two meters in height and less than a hundred kilos, you are certified to get into the exo and we can hopefully stand you up and walk you. Okay, less than a hundred kilos. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, what division is that? Middleweight. Uh, <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> a height to waist ratio, but uh, yeah, hundred kilos. Generally, most people are, are under a hundred kilos that have suffered uh, spinal cord injuries or traumatic incidents. Because obviously, with the bed rest, you get a lot of muscle wasting, you get a lot of waste, weight loss. Um, so, those limitations are, are always sort of within limit. We we can we can work with it. Okay, people, watch your diet. Yeah, if you go to Ibrahim, if you're 200 kg, there's a problem, people. Uh, Afia Masi says, Assalamu alaikum uh, to uh, Marcus, uh, our Mufti AK, and Brother Shafat, and the biokineticist Ibrahim Mir. What is traction? Does your equipment and treatment include traction, or is it uh, is there advancement on traction and uh, something else is used? Uh, Ibrahim, good uh, question from Afia Masi. Really good question, uh, but with regards to traction, if uh, I'm commenting on traction, I just want to make it known that as biokineticists, it's not really within our scope to do traction, but I have some knowledge to experience on traction. And basically, uh, it was popular a few years back. I feel like it's really not so popular these days, although there are patients who swear by it, there are people who still do it and they find it very effective. But again, it's selective and the advancements are such. So if you're asking about my equipment and traction is basically the most traction you'll get out of my equipment is if you are slightly spastic in a sort of range of motion where we can stretch you a little bit, you might find that with the EXO, once your brace is on and you really fit it snugly into the EXO, when we stand you, you might get a little bit of manipulation on joints here and there, but it it's very minimal. So traction is obviously a wide topic to be discussed, but it's a really good question. Yeah, you're talking about the brace, uh, you know, when you have your brace on. Um, how long do you leave the brace on? And is there uh, perhaps a sweating taking place when the brace is on or, you know, is it treated? How is it aired and things like that, Ibrahim? So, so a lot of the time we find that a very popular, well, two types of popular braces you're getting is your knee bracing and the moon boot, which is very common in, in society currently when you see people with foot fractures or ankle sprains from common sports. Uh, it's because it's a common injury among different sports. So with bracing and with moon booting and stuff like that, the advice given by the professional that's obviously prescribing the, the brace, take it seriously because it's important. So what we've, what I saw was you'll see a lot of people that come in, let's say with an Achilles uh, tendon rupture, they've been in a boot for let's say two months, but two months every day all day. You're finding that the calf is so wasted and now you've got bigger biomechanical issues and all caused not really because of that injury, but rather because of the brace being kept on for too long or lack of advice from a particular individual to them. So it's important to ask your practitioner that's treating you, you know, what? how long do I leave the brace on for? Do I take breaks when I'm using it? Uh, yeah, those questions are essential.
Mm, do people get rashes and things like that? Uh, you know, unfortunately, things like this uh, do happen, uh, Ibrahim. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it happens. You get a lot of uh, pressure sores, a lot of uh, traction blisters, a lot of frictional wounds, stuff like that. But usually those are referred to like a wound uh, care clinic and then uh, it's sorted within a few weeks and the patient's fine. Alhamdulillah. Harun Ilyaf says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat. And uh, please convey salams to our Mujahid, the learned leader, Mufti A.K. Hussain. Uh, please ask uh, the uh, vibes. Uh, uh, the Vibe uh, biokinetics in the studio, Ibrahim. If a person is in a coma, can the advanced equipment you have help out in this condition? Another powerful question there, Ibrahim. Powerful question, but unfortunately, uh, no, because uh, our patients have to be fully alert and fully awake when you obviously doing bionics or doing any sort of rehab with them. Uh, however, they are specialists, I'm sure, that can go into uh, to treat a patient in a state of, of a coma. So on, on our side, unfortunately, no. Okay, and uh, Mr. Tar Muhammad says, Assalamu alaikum, brothers, and Jazakallah for a fascinating program on Marcus Radio tonight. I'm interested to know from uh, the biokineticist, uh, what kind of supportive uh, equipment do you use while rehabilitating people in wheelchairs? Example, if a person can't walk and they are put into rehab equipment, then do they also get fitted with equipment to give back support, etc., etc.? Uh, Ibrahim? Yeah, so basically when a patient gets into EXO, every joint is supported uh, by the machine. So it's basically you you bracing the entire patient from head to toe so there's shoulder straps there's a chest strap there's a back support there's a lumbar support there's a hip support uh there's a knee support there's ankles and foot so you are fully secure in the device uh there's no way you could really get out of it unless i unstrap you and get you out but yeah, you you braced in there. Your back is fine. If you find that you 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 basically have uh, an issue with your back, if you have a more rounded back or more concave back, we can then insert uh, sort of packing that's EXO certified that can go in and fill these these anomalies and make them obviously EXO fit. Well, you see the patients in your office or in your surgery there. Um, do you find uh, some of them calling you at midnight and saying, oh, you know, I've got a severe discomfort, can you come and help me out? Or do you conscientize uh, some of uh, the family members how to uh, react when certain things happen there, uh, Ibrahim? Yes, a lot of the time I'll randomly get called during family functions to be uh, adjusting uh, or helping someone or, you know, stretching someone out and stuff like that. So it's... It's basically everybody that's around you will will sort of ask you for advice and always want a piece of your brain here and there. But it's really fun to know that, alhamdulillah, I've been given sort of the knowledge to help people out and, and people actually getting better. So that's interesting and that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's also uh, unique. I mean, uh, there's no, uh, not too many of you around, uh, Ibrahim. <laughs> I don't know how to react to <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> uh, look, basically the practice, alhamdulillah, has grown and it's through literally just hard work and dedication and my wife and I put our all into the practice. So we're a small team, it's just three of us and 
we we pushing. Hey, I like you. You know you, yeah. You know, it's like uh, every Tom Dick and Harry. Yeah, I'm a biogeneticist. Hey, how many of you are here in this country? Tell us, Ibrahim. Let's be honest. Maybe under ten. Tell me. Uh, no, there's there's quite a few biogeneticists, but uh, within Durban, there's not many of us, and. The few practices that are within Durban are very good established practices, and and it's a good growing field. So a lot of the time, I'm 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 seeing recently students uh, that are matriculating and stuff are asking, is biogenetics a good option or a good career field? Uh, look, biogenetics is growing. It's a good field to get into. Uh, do it because you have a passion to help people out, and I think you'll succeed. And the job satisfaction is quite unique as well. And you need to work hard. Alhamdulillah, you really have it in you. The passion is there. Dilshad Kaki says, Assalamu alaikum. And the topic is interesting uh, us all a lot. If a patient falls or gets dizzy during uh, the biokinetist uh, treatment, what does he do? Okay, so with instances like this, uh, it very rarely happens when you're treating orthopedic injuries such as your ACL rehabilitation, ACL reconstructions, uh, most of the ankle sprains, shoulder sprains, stuff like that. However, in my practice, you could see this happening because we see a lot of special populations patients. So you're seeing patients with spinal cord injuries, uh, post-stroke, stuff like that. There is a condition called autonomic dysreflexia that sometimes can occur during a session because of additional fatigue or, or the patient has experienced uh, just an off day. And so there are principles and techniques that you have to follow in case of emergency. And also biokineticists are trained in basic life support and obviously those situations. So it's you, you got to, in those situations, not panic. You've got to just stay calm, follow the principles, and everything will be fine. So far, alhamdulillah, we haven't had any incidents. Shukar. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. I don't think you'll have it because you're too calm, cool, and collected. Hey, one thing people, I told you, Brian told me, he doesn't miss his salah. Five times, punctuality. And that's why that exoskeleton is working so well. Uh, yeah, Hamza Arbi says, Assalamu alaikum and Jazakallah, brother Shafaat, for hosting Ibrahim Mir on his uh, topic tonight. I want to know, example, if a person has an injury from sport and he accidentally falls and gets hurt in the same place of healing, how will the biokineticist uh, give additional relief, Ibrahim? So re-injury is very, very common, more common than you think. So we'll see a patient in uh, 2019 who has suffered from a, from a knee injury and then you'll see him coming back in 2021 with the same injury. So this is common, even though some of the patients go through their full rehabilitation, go back to sport, and then there's some biomechanical deficit that they haven't addressed, like putting in an insole, or maybe they delayed doing it or something like that. And then unfortunately on a day they re-injure. So the, the biggest problem with re-injury is that the joint becomes a little bit more loosely held. So you'll find that you could get a little bit of osteoarthritic changes setting in at some point, which will obviously complicate your life further down the line. So to avoid all of those issues, we'd obviously then address where the area is, uh, re-strengthen, rehab again, uh, and then the patient should build a strong base to unload the joint and take off a little bit of forces from there and help with pain relief. 
Haji Noura says, Assalamu alaikum to all on Marcus and all uh, with uh, Marcus as Sahaba tonight. Please ask the biokineticist in consultation, can you give relief for a pinched nerve and how long will it take to recover? Ibrahim? Okay, so good question. With pinched nerves, uh, remember your spine is a column, so you ha- it's broken down into different regions. So you've got your cervical, thoracic, uh, lumbar, and then sacral. With those different regions, uh, let's say you've got um, a cervical nerve impingement, for example. It it will present differently from a lumbar nerve impingement. But the factors, again, surrounding the patient would be uh, the modifiable factors which we can manipulate and can change would be your 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 weight, your diet, your lifestyle, your shoes. We can put in insoles. We can strengthen the muscles. We can check your alignment. We can see that most of your muscles are firing properly, get your muscle symmetry correct. And all these imbalances can be addressed. And then obviously your pain will ultimately be decreased because your body will then be taking over and then the impingement will sort of become slightly less. If depending, if the severity of the impingement is such where you would then need surgical intervention, obviously your recovery will be longer. But generally speaking, they say if you are considering surgical op- a surgical option, give yourself at least six weeks of conservative management first and see whether you've seen a little bit of sunlight. If you are getting a little bit of uh, relief, I would say carry on for as long as you can conservatively and then see where you end up. I tell you, Brian, it has been a fascinating consultation with you this evening. I really enjoyed every minute with you. There was not for any moment where I lost uh, distraction or attention. You just had me focused. You had me in the exoskeleton. You had me in the groove. Hey, you tightened that. Yeah, uh, let's loosen that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that feels better. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening. Um, I would just like to say to your listeners, please get a pen and a page. Write this down. Exobionics RTFES 300. Research these two pieces of equipment. They are really good. They can benefit you, and it's a breakthrough in rehabilitation. Um, also, Jazakallah for allowing me on your show again. I look forward to it again, and I would like to urge your listenership to please follow us on Instagram. I go as at Ibrahim underscore Mir underscore Biokinetics, and our website is www.embiokinetics.co.za. Check out the page. It has a lot of information. And feel free to give us a call and ask us whatever questions you have. No problem. Yep. Absolutely yeah. uh, brilliant, Ibrahim. And alhamdulillah, whenever there's an uh, upgrade, you let us know. And uh, you know, we'll definitely have you on this uh, platform. Uh, that's the uh, reason why we have medical files uh, to bring uh, people up to speed in what's happening. Inshallah, you have a blessed evening ahead. And as I said, we'll talk to you in the near future. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, uh, people, time for us to go for a break. Uh, we'll go for the Azan, and when we get back, a uh, pertinence uh, punctuated uh, will be joining us.